Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. So let's look at Acts 2 and verse 1. I got a lot to say. And uh, I know you guys are like, what's new, Pastor? You always got a lot to say. Acts 2 and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now let's jump over to the end of uh, this chapter, Acts 2.38. This is Peter speaking after this supernatural event happened. He was preaching to these people about this. And he said, then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In verse 39, for this promise is to you guys only on the day of Pentecost. No, that's not what it says. To a lot of people say it says, but that's not what it says. For this promise is to you and to your children and to all, that's me, who are far off. 2,000 years later, that he's still talking to me. And as many as the Lord our God will call. So today, if you're taking notes, the title of my message is filled to overflow filled to overflow. And we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit this morning, specifically the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've been here the past several weeks, I've been laying foundation for this week. So if you didn't hear it, go back and listen to those podcasts talking to you about who the Holy Spirit is, what he does, and why you need him. But today, specifically, we're going to talk about this experience called the baptism in the Holy Spirit, or being Spirit-filled, which we are as a church. We believe in that, and we believe that every believer, it's for them, and you need it. You need it. So important. Now, I know this is Mother's Day. I get it. And so, so I know there's probably some different people here, and you're like, Pastor, you're supposed to preach out of Proverbs 31. Preach a Mother's Day message. Well, listen to this. My mama, this is the first time she's in heaven on Mother's Day. So I would say if mom was here right now, she would tell me certain things that she would want me to relate to you. Now, my mom was very vocal, and she didn't keep her mouth shut about anything. Like me. That's where I get it from. We're one of those people that just call out the obvious in the room. Like, is anyone not seeing this? Is anyone not talking about this? That's me. I get that from her. You think dad's that way? He's really not privately. I am and mom is. We're like, can, can we not see that there's a problem here? Let's call this out. Let's, let's talk about this. She was very vocal with me. That's how I turned out to be such a great person at 34 years old. Here's my point here about Mother's Day. I love you, mothers. You're beautiful. You're wonderful. You're going to eat a lot of good food today. My mom's in heaven today, the first one. And if she was here, I hear her voice in my head constantly. Can't get it out. (laughs) Would like to. No. (laughs) My my other mom's here, Miss Crystal. She's here today. So thank you for being here, Miss Crystal. I feel better now. At least I got one mama here. Um. It is interesting that Miss Crystal, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really preach my message, but like this mama, she loves me more than she loves her own son. But no, here, here's the other thing here. But my mom loved Josh Lowry more than she loved me. Prophets without honor in his own hometown amongst his own family and people, right? Okay, that's a little side joke here. She's always talking about Josh Lowry this, Josh Lowry this. What about your own son, mom? Come on now. <laughs> she loved him a lot. So, But my mom, two things she would constantly repeat to me my whole entire life, she would emphasize to me. First of all, she would say, Jordan, you better be a tither and an offering giver. Yeah. 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 
You better honor God with your money. If you, if you don't remember anything else I said, Jordan, you're going to honor God with your money. I've taught you better than this. You better honor God with your money. And she was a very generous person. And I would say maybe even more generous than my dad is because she was always at the forefront of giving. So she would talk about you need to honor God with your money. Now, I'm not talking about that today. The second thing she would always emphasize to me is the power of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Jordan, don't ever you forget that you were raised this way. You got a lot of Pentecostal, charismatic, spirit-filled roots, and that's what makes you different than everybody else. Listen to me, not better than everybody else, but makes you different than everybody else. You were raised in a certain household, and there's a reason that there's power at this church. And there's power on the ministers in this house. And there's power on the believers in this house. And it's not just because of we look a certain way or talk a certain way or we believe a certain set of doctrines in the Bible. It's because of the power of the Holy Ghost. And apart from him, we can do nothing. Apart from him, this is not a message. This is a speech. Good speech, Pastor. A lot of pastors preach speeches, not messages, because there's no power of the Spirit on their words. Or we just be giving another lecture, or you're just going to a concert this morning if the Spirit of God isn't here. No, there's a difference. What's the difference maker? The baptism in the Holy Spirit changes you into a different person. It's a difference maker. And the Bible says when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power. And that power comes when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to talk about it today. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm not trying to weird anybody out. But if you listen to what I'm saying, I think you'll really understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. It's nothing to be afraid of. It's nothing to be scared of. People are. That's why people are afraid of this. But the Holy Spirit is not weird. He's none to be scared of or intimidated by. He's a gift. And he's a gift for all of us. But this is what happens. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a secondary experience apart from salvation. And one of the initial signs of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is God gives us a spiritual language. The Bible would call that praying in tongues or praying in the spirit, but it's a spiritual language. It's like this. When you're born on earth, you're born and you learn a earthly language. We happen to be born in the USA, so we speak English. But the Bible says when you're born again and you're born from above, God gives you a heavenly language. So, so just like you were born naturally, you get an earthly language. The Bible says when you're born again, you're born from above, you get a heavenly language or a spiritual language, which the Bible says is praying in tongues or praying in the spirit. And it's for everyone. And this gift of the Holy Spirit is to help you. It's to help you. He gives you this ability for your own personal prayer life. For your own personal strength. We're going to talk about that today because it's so important. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, we have to look to the Bible to tell us what to believe. Because the book of Acts, which we just read out of and we're going to stay in a lot today, is the blueprint or the pattern of the church. We learn what to do and why we need to do it from the book of Acts. To see how the early church did it, we should be living that same way 2,000 years later. It's the blueprint for us. So here's the context of Acts 2. We just read it. Acts 2, it's the day of Pentecost. Now the day of Pentecost is a, is a Jewish feast. So this is what is taking place. It's 50 days after the resurrection. Or after Passover. So we see that 
after Jesus died on the cross, he rose again. It says that he met with his disciples for 40 days, telling them about the kingdom of God. And he told them, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit is poured out. But don't leave, don't go anywhere, because you can't do the mission of God without the Spirit of God. But you need to wait in Jerusalem till you are endued with power and you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. So after 40 days, it says that Jesus ascended back into heaven. And these early disciples and believers got into an upper room in Jerusalem and started waiting. And they waited for 10 days. And on the 50th day, it was the day of Pentecost. And this is what happened. There was 120 believers in an upper room in Jerusalem waiting for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. Now, at the time that the Holy Spirit was poured out in Jerusalem was significant because it was the day of Pentecost. So there was people from all over the known world at the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem at that specific time. God didn't do it by accident because he knew God's spirit would be poured out and all those people would take it back to where they lived and they would spread the gospel into all the known world because there was people from all over the world in Jerusalem at the day of Pentecost. So this is what happened. It says that this supernatural event happened that, that, the early church believers, this 120 people, they heard a sound from heaven. And it was the Holy Spirit coming down in all his fullness. And these 120 people had a supernatural experience. And the Bible says the Spirit of God filled every one of them. And they all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the words to say. The story's not done. But this is what happened because this is what should always happen with a Pentecostal experience. I'm about to say something. The tongues that you're speaking in at church and the Holy Ghost fit you have is not just for church. If it doesn't translate outside the four walls of the church, it's pointless that you did a Holy Ghost jig and prayed in tongues. That's what Pentecostals get wrong. This is what happened. Those 120 believers, it said they started praying in tongues or languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Then what did they do? They opened up the door and they went out into the city where there was people from all over the known world. And it says when they were praying in tongues or different languages, everyone heard the word in their own language. And so all these people from all these places around the world were hearing the good news about Jesus in their own language by these 120 people who were praying in a language that they didn't know or understand. That's supernatural. And that was the day of Pentecost. But this is how it ends. After this happened, all these people were surrounding these 120 believers And they were saying, how do you guys know these languages? What's going on? And Peter got up on the first day of the church and he started preaching to the crowds of people and said, this is not weird. It's not demonic. It's supernatural. And this is what was prophesied in the Old Testament about God's spirit being poured out. In the book of Joel, this is what's happening, guys. And then he preached them the first message on the day of the first day of the church. And it says that 3,000 people got saved that day on the first day of the church. But listen to what he says in Acts 2.38. This is the end of his message. Then Peter said to them, all these people that were wondering, what's going on? He said, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is to you and to your children 
and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So he said, this supernatural experience you just saw, this is not just for us. This is for all of you guys. This same Holy Spirit can come into your life and make you new and give you power. And you need him. And it's not just for you. It's for everyone who will come from afar off. And all those people in human history ahead of us, decades and decades and centuries and centuries that would come after us, it's for them too. But all you have to do is receive this gift. All you got to do is receive this gift. Now, in this passage in Acts 2, the initial sign that they were filled with the Spirit was they prayed in tongues. They spoke in other tongues. Hear me clearly. It's not the only sign, but it is the initial sign. That God wants to give you a spiritual language that you can speak to him that you can pray out things that you need to be praying for and we're going to get into some of those reasons why praying in the spirit is so important for you as a believer the benefits of it but the initial sign that they were baptized in the spirit was they prayed in a heavenly language you still with me i got to teach you this morning So let's look at Acts 2, verse 1 through 4. Because we're looking at the pattern or the blueprint of what the early church did. Acts 2, in verse 1. Notice what it says. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. Now, if you want to know more about Pentecost, a few weeks ago I preached about it. And it would really help give you some context of the day of Pentecost. But notice when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. So they were unified at church. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one set upon each of them. In verse four. And we're going to keep this up here for a while. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Notice it says they were all filled. It said in Acts 2, 38 and 39 that this is for your children and your children's children and for all our God will call. All those who are far off in the future, this is for all. I want you to understand today, the gift of the Holy Spirit is for all of us. It's not an exclusive thing for certain people. It is for all of us, and you need it. You need it. It's a gift that God has for all of us. And you need the gift of the Holy Spirit. But they were all filled. Notice, they didn't go around the room and God said, you get it, you don't get it. You get it, you don't get it. You get it, you don't get it. Oh, you're Baptist, you don't get it. Oh, you're Presbyterian, you don't get it. No, you're Pentecostal, so you get it. No, No, they were all filled. As the Spirit filled them, he gave them tongues, and they spoke those out. I got to teach you for a second to lay the groundwork for today. You still follow me today. They were all filled, and they began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, utterance is a kind of an old word, but it just means the Spirit gave them the words to say. They were all filled and they all began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, it says here that the Holy Spirit, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, the word tongues is the Greek word uh, glossio which we get the word glossary from. And a better translation of that word would be languages. Even the word tongues has a stigma attached to it. Are you talking tongues? (laughs) You one of them tongue-talking churches? Even the word tongues has, has baggage attached to it. 
So if you feel more comfortable today, really the, a better translation would be they all spoke in languages. Some known languages and some spiritual languages. So they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues or other languages. So this word tongues, like I said, it, it's, it's not something weird. They were speaking in other languages. And, of course, there's a different passage in Corinthians, which we're going to get into. And in that passage, it was unknown, and it's a spiritual heavenly language. So the Holy Spirit came upon them, and he filled them, and they spoke with other languages. That's what the word tongues really means. Now, it says they spoke in these languages as the Spirit gave them the words to say. There's a reason I'm talking about all this today because I told you last week I'm going to pray for people at the end if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know a lot of you are already Spirit-filled. A lot of you pray in tongues. A lot of you have received this gift, but some of you aren't, and you need it. And I'm not forcing you. If you don't want it, you don't have to have it. But if you want it, I believe at the end of service we're going to pray for some people, and you're going to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. But the initial sign that you're spirit-filled is a spiritual language. That's why we're talking about this spiritual language, because at the end, we're going to pray in a spiritual language. You guys sound super excited about it. Nothing weird is going to happen to anybody. I'm in charge of this service. Nothing, no eyes are going to roll in the back of your head. You're not going to have a convulsion on the ground. It's okay. That's not what the Holy Spirit's going to do to you. He's going to give you a spiritual language. Now, it says they were all filled with the Spirit, and they began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. They all began to speak in these tongues or these languages. But notice, they began to speak. This wasn't the ending of it. They started, and they never stopped praying in tongues. Now, that's one thing I have about people that believe like us. They get it one time at an altar, but then they don't do it in their personal life. Then what was the point that you got it in the first place? No, God gave you this language for you to use on a daily basis. It does so much for you. It helps you pray things that you can't pray. It does so many things to your spirit that you can't do without the ability to pray in a heavenly language. You need this. You don't just need to get spirit-filled and fill a goose bump one time and say, Shandai, Shandai, tie my bow tie. (laughs) It's just the start of it. It's not the ending of it. And they all began to speak. I feel like you guys need some humor right now. So I'm going to throw some in just for fun. You seem a little serious. They all began to speak. As the Spirit gave them utterance. But this word tongues. Remember I said there's a lot of, there's a baggage that goes with tongues. A lot of baggage. Tongue talker. Y'all speaking tongues in that church? I ain't coming. All right. But the real word is languages. I'm making a point here. So uh, several years ago. Um, we were in a prayer service and my good friend Judah over here, which is my nephew, him and Justice were standing over here during a prayer service and Justice is nine and Judah does a great impersonation of Justice, but I'm going to try to do my best. <laughs> and, and whoever was in the front said, All right, guys, let's all pray in tongues. And Judah does his great impersonation of what Justice, who's nine, started doing because he wanted to be a part of what everyone was doing. And when we said tongues, he literally meant, okay, tongues. You said tongues? I need to speak in tongues? I am. So so Judah tells me this is what happens. Judah has his eyes closed. And Judah's praying in tongues, and then Judah looks over at Justice, who's nine. And when they said pray in tongues, this is what Justice was doing. He wasn't making any noise, but he was going. 
doesn't, I mean, if you tell kids to speak in tongues, he took in tongues. I don't know. I don't know how to speak in tongues, but I guess you just move your tongue really fast and something will happen. Of course, Judah does a better impersonation than, than I do it justice. But I think that's what a lot of people think of when, when they hear tongues. Somebody at church doing that. And that's supposed to be a spiritual experience. That's what a lot of people think when they hear tongues. But it's a spiritual language. I'm going somewhere with this comment. Can we get that verse back up here in Acts 2 and verse 4? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Here's something you all need to know about the Spirit of God. And maybe this will put your guard down a little bit and you won't be so intimidated by it. You have to do the speaking. The Holy Spirit's not going to override your will. A lot of people think that's what's going to happen when they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit's going to grab your tongue and go, ah! I would be scared of that too. Don't touch my tongue, Holy Spirit. Or you see, you see justice when... <laughs> Somebody says the Holy Spirit's going to come on and you're going to talk in tongues and your tongue is going to be flying everywhere. No. The Holy Spirit is not going to override your will. You only pray in tongues as you speak because you're in control of you. And you pray in tongues and when you start to speak, you, because you are in control of your own mouth and your own life, but when you yield to the Spirit of God, because he's not going to force himself on you, if you feel like that's what's going to happen, that's not. They began to speak as the Spirit gave them words to say. But they had to do the speaking. The Spirit of God wasn't going to speak for them. You got to do the speaking. So hear me today. If you're waiting on the Spirit of God to hit you and to make your tongue do crazy things, are you to have an experience like that? It's not going to happen. You will never pray in tongues. This is what the Bible says has to happen. You have to receive it by faith. And as you speak, then he gives you the words to say. The Bible does not say the Holy Spirit's going to take you over. It's going to make you talk, and then you're going to start praying in tongues. It says, as they spoke, the Spirit gave them the words to say. You got to do it by faith, like you got to do everything by faith. You got to step out, then God moves. You got to start speaking, then the Holy Spirit gives you the words. You got to lay hands on the sick, then God brings the healing. You got to pray for the person, then God brings the deliverance. You got to sow in the offering, and then God blesses you financially. You got to do something by faith first, and then God meets you. It's not the opposite way around. But it's no difference with praying in tongues. You got to step out by faith and say, I believe I received this, and I believe when I start praying the spirit of God's going to give me words and then I'm going to speak those out but he's not going to force them out he's not going to push you out you don't got to say anything if you don't want to but this baptism the Holy Spirit is for everyone and you need this gift but we need to understand that this spiritual language is from God is from heaven, and it's for us. It's for us. So later today, when we pray for people, realize that when I pray for you, nothing's just going to come control you and take you over. It's not. When you get prayed for, guess what's going to happen? You're going to start to feel words come from right here because that's where your spirit is. And you got to step out by faith and start speaking those out. And the more you speak those out, the more words the Spirit will give you. But if you don't speak them out, you'll never pray in tongues. Because you are in charge of you. You are in control of you. 
But what do you got to do? You got to yield to the spirit of God. And when you start getting those words, you start praying. And the more you pray, the more words you get. The more it expands, the more it grows. But you have to speak. Hear me today. As the spirit gives you utterance. Now that's the model for us because that's the model of the early church. That's how it happened. They received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the initial evidence was praying in the spirit. Now, some of you are saying, well, that's a one-time event that happened 2,000 years ago. That's not for us. But actually, if you read your Bible, this happened all throughout the book of Acts, not just one time. You need to know that. It actually happened five other times in the book of Acts. Acts 2, Acts 8, two times in Acts 8, Acts 10, and Acts 19. So this was not a one-time event that just happened on the day of Pentecost and it didn't repeat itself. No, it kept repeating itself for the rest of the book of Acts and the whole early church. And if you read your Bibles, they talk about praying in tongues in Corinthians and Ephesians and many, many other places because all the churches in the New Testament were spirit-filled. They all believed in this baptism of the Holy Spirit. This was not a side issue for certain churches. All the churches of the New Testament believe like this. And they would teach their people, this is for you. But let's read one of those accounts, Acts 19, if we can get that, verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, finding some disciples. He said to them, did you Receive the Holy Spirit when you believed. So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Verse 6, this is what happens. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues or languages and prophesied. So I want you to know that this experience that happened in Acts 2 was not just an Acts 2 experience. This happened all throughout the New Testament and all throughout the book of Acts. And we see in Acts 19, which we just read, this was years and years after Acts 2, and the same Holy Spirit was still filling people, and they were still speaking with other tongues. Because it's for everyone. Let me read you a couple quotes. This is from Dr. Jack Hayford, who uh, edited the Spirit-Filled Life Study Bible, one of the greatest really Pentecostal leaders in the past hundred years. He says this, He who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men but unto God. The language of heaven through tongues is worship and intercession and personal edification. These are all benefits of those who regularly employ the Holy Spirit-enabled language as a vital part of their devotional life with the Lord. Now, we're still talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's look at John 7 and verse 37. Still here today. Now, one of the main word pictures given to... The Holy Spirit in the Bible is water. Now I was raised in kids' church by Brother Sean, so I got an object lesson today. So one of the main, once again, the Holy Spirit is referred to in the Bible as water because he brings refreshing, brings newness, brings life. And this is what Jesus said about the Spirit of God. Notice what he says in John 7, 37. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. We're living in those days now. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. All right. Are you guys awake? Yes. Okay. 
This is heavy, Chad. <laughs> See, Chad, listen, Chad still picks us up and acts like it's like weighs nothing. <laughs> he's like, it's probably a little heavy. Oh, it's heavy, all right. If you know Chad still, you know he's he's man of steel. He could lift a car if he wanted to. So it's a little different for us human beings, Chad. So this is what happens. The Bible talks about this. When you get saved, when you come to an altar or you say, Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my life. Make me a new person. The Bible says the Holy Spirit comes in you to fill you. So this is you. You are filled with the Holy Spirit when you receive salvation, which is great. Wonderful. There's millions of people that that are, are just right here. That's great. You're going to heaven. You have the Spirit of God in you. That's wonderful. But there's a secondary experience called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit comes not just to fill you, but to fill you to overflow. At salvation, the Holy Spirit comes in you for you. But when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, he comes upon you for others. The Bible talks like this. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in you, and that's a well for you to drink out of. But when you get filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing, that's a river for other people around you. How many know a well's for you, but a river, it, it gives water to the whole town and to the whole city and to the whole region. And that's why you need this spirit-filled experience. Because it's not just about you drinking from your own well. So this is what happens. You're filled when you get saved, but there's a secondary experience called the baptism of the Holy Ghost that he wants to fill you to overflow. And this is what the Bible says, that out of you will flow rivers of living water. What's that living water? It's a spiritual heavenly language. This is how easy tongues is. The Holy Spirit fills you so much. Come on now, somebody. He fills you so much that something's got to come out. And when that something comes out of you, that is a heavenly spiritual language flowing out of you. The Bible says out of your heart or your spirit will flow rivers of living water. And that living water flowing out of you is a heavenly language. So that's how easy it is to get spirit filled. You just get so filled with him, something's got to come out. And that overflow is a heavenly language. Are you following me today so far? It's wonderful. But let me give you three things today as we close that are benefits of praying in the Spirit. Now, I could give you a hundred, but I'm going to give you three for time's sake. Don't want to make you miss your reservation for mom. But you know what, guys? My mom's in heaven, so I ain't got nowhere else to be. What's, what time is your reservation at, guys? I got time. I'll give you all 100. No. We'll go three. We'll go three today. We're still talking about being filled with the Spirit. It's that easy. You get so full of Him, something's got to come out. And that thing that comes out of you is a spiritual, heavenly language. Jesus prophesied about it. He said, out of you will flow rivers of living water. Speaking of the Holy Spirit. First thing I want to say is, when you pray in the Spirit, you pray out your future. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 2. Let's read it. The Apostle Paul speaking to this Corinthian church about praying in tongues. He says, for he who speaks in a tongue or a language does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. The Bible says in that that verse, in that word right there, mysteries, it means divine secrets. Brother Kenneth E. Hagin would say 
that that means plans and purposes. So when we pray in an unknown tongue or a heavenly language, we pray out future things. God's plans and God's purposes for our life. We pray out divine secrets, not hidden from us, but hidden for us in Christ. But we only get into some of those things when we pray in the Spirit. That you will not get into without praying in the Spirit. So when we pray in the Spirit, we pray in this heavenly language that He gives us, we pray out our future. We pray out future things that are going to happen. And Pastor Nancy, she, she gave this example many years ago. She talked about when she had this vision and she saw like railroad tracks and the more she prayed in the spirit, the more they went out. But when she stopped, they stopped. So she could only go so far. And then the more she prayed in the spirit, the more the tracks went out so she could go further. And the more she prayed in the spirit, the more the tracks went out so she could go further. But when she stopped, it stopped. Why? Because when you pray in the spirit, you pray out your future. You play out the plans and purposes and divine secrets of God that we all need to know, that we all need to happen, that you will not fully get into without praying in the Spirit. The thing I want you to understand today is a lot of people that have this gift and have received it already don't do it. Do you not care? Do you not care about God's plan for your life? Do you not care about the purposes of God? What about your kids? you care about them? Because you can pray out their future. What about what you're called to do? What about where you're called to work? What about where you're called to live? What about there's a million things that we need answers to. How do we know the answers to them? we got to pray it out by the Spirit. And the more we pray it out, the more it will become clear to us, the more we can walk it in, into it. But the prayer that we pray in the Spirit lays the groundwork or the roadwork for us to move forward in God's plan for our life. Are you receiving this today? It's a wonderful gift, and it's for us. So when we pray in the Spirit, we pray out our future. We pray out the plans and purposes of God. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 14. Here's another thing. When you pray in the spirit or in this heavenly language, you pray perfect prayers. Romans 8 and verse 26. Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. This is what this verse means. When we pray in a heavenly language that God gives us and the Spirit of God is praying through us, we pray perfect prayers. And we pray out the perfect plan of God. Now, I don't know about you, but my prayers in English are not perfect. And not pretty always. Now, God loves me and he hears them and he answers them, even though they're not always polished. But how much more when we pray in the Spirit, we pray out perfect prayers because the Holy Spirit prays through us the perfect will of God. But I love what it says at the beginning of these verses. When we don't know how to pray as we ought. I don't get people that, that say we don't need this. Like you got it covered in English. I don't and you don't. I face stuff every day in my life. I don't know how to pray as I ought. Are you not living in this planet with me? Do you do not watch the news? There's certain things that you can't get out in English and you don't know the answer to up here and you can't figure out on Google Maps. There's things where we don't know as we ought. We don't know how to pray as we ought. We don't know how to live as we ought. But we're not alone. 
And the Holy Spirit comes with us and he takes hold together with us and he prays out the perfect will of God when we don't know what to pray. (sighs) That's some help right there. I'm there every day. And if you're honest with yourself, you're there too. You got stuff going on in your marriage. You don't know how to fix it in English. You don't. But that's okay. The Spirit of God, if you say, Holy Ghost, I don't know how to fix this. And I prayed all the scriptures I know. Can you help me pray this out? And you start praying in the Spirit. He prays out the perfect will of God. To do things that you can't do in your own English brain to speak. You're saying, well, I don't know how to fix this situation with my kids. I don't know what to do. I prayed all the, the kid verses in the Bible, and I'm still struggling. That's okay. The Holy Spirit comes in you, and he fills you again, and he prays out the perfect will of God. When we don't know how to pray as we ought, when we don't know, there's a lot of things we don't know. Maybe it's a physical situation. I don't know how to fix this. That's okay. The Holy Spirit knows how to fix it. I believe you're going to pray through me, Holy Ghost. Let's start praying right now. I don't know how to fix this in my mind. I'm struggling too much. How do I fix this? The problem is you're in your mind too much. That's the issue. And you got to get out of your mind and into your spirit and let the Spirit of God pray through you. And when he does, he prays out the perfect will and plan of God. So for those who, who downgrade tongues like, oh, you just got spirit-filled and you spoke in tongues at church, so what? What did it do for you? It does a lot of stuff. Read your Bible. It's not just a supernatural, I got goosebumps experience. No, when you pray in the Spirit, you pray out your future, but you pray perfect prayers. And when you don't know how to pray, the Spirit of God prays through you and does things that you can't do in your own strength, in your own ability, in your own mind. Now, that's some help. So don't downgrade tongues and being Spirit-filled to just this. Being Spirit-filled comes with a purpose, with a meaning. And there's a power that comes with it not just to fill goosebumps but the spirit wants to move in you and through you and do something and help you that's what a spiritual language is and once again i I told you i literally could probably give you a hundred things that being spirit filled and praying in the spirit does but let me give you one more and there's a lot in this one when you pray in the spirit it builds you up 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 4. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 4. Look at what it says here. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Now, this word edify means to build up. When we pray in the Spirit, it builds us up. I love the New Living Translation of this says, actually, let's put it up here. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. I would say that's building up. When we pray in the Spirit, it strengthens and builds us up. Now, this is what praying in tongues does. Just like you go to the gym and you lift weights for your body, guess what your spiritual workout is? When you pray in the spirit, it's like lifting weights for your spirit, man, that it becomes strong and healthy. And you're able to do more because you've been building up your spirit by praying in tongues. You strengthen and build yourself up personally when you pray in the spirit. Builds you up. Now, there's a lot in this word edify. To build up. Now, it also could be taken this way. When you pray in the Spirit, you build up yourself, your body, your mind. Because the Spirit of God doesn't just affect your spirit. He affects your soul and your body. And the Bible says when you receive Him, the Holy Spirit comes in you and He makes His home inside you. 
You are the temple of the Holy Spirit now. Listen to this. This is so good. When we pray in the Spirit, it builds us up. But let's talk about our body. It builds our body up. Now, I could give you testimony after testimony of people I know that have spent quality time praying in tongues, and there's been things that have changed in their body for the better. Diseases healed. Things changed. Their body has repaired itself when it was broken down because of praying in the Spirit. Because when we pray in the Spirit, it builds us up. Now, listen to this. This is just one of many things I looked up. But Dr. Carl Peterson from ORU, he did a study about people who pray in tongues. And he did a study about this, and he realized when you prayed in tongues, it released two chemicals in that person's brain that directly affected their immune system to boost it by 35 to 40%. And they were physically more healthy, the people that prayed in tongues. Why? Because when you pray in the Spirit, it builds you up. Builds you up spiritually, you get stronger, but it builds your physical body up. What about your mind and your emotions? Well, listen to this. This is from the New York Times. A neuroscientific look at speaking in tongues is the name of the article. This is what it says. Contrary to common perception, study shows that people who regularly pray in tongues rarely have mental problems and are more emotionally stable than those who do not. That was New York Times, not Charisma Magazine. (laughs) Why? Because when you pray in the spirit, it builds you up. It builds you up spiritually, but it builds you up physically and mentally when you pray in the spirit. And I like how I said contrary to common perception. Why? Because People make fun of people that pray in tongues. Like, you got mental issues. Right? You're crazy. You got mental issues because you need that crutch of emotionalism. You need to go and experience all that stuff because you're not in your right mind anyways and you just need that spiritual experience. No. It says the people who prayed in tongues regularly were more emotionally stable and rarely had mental problems compared to those who did not. That's from New York Times. Why? Because God's word is true. Before New York Times was even existed, the word said, he who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself, builds himself up. Now this word edify... We're still in this word edify, it, it has so many meanings in the original. It means to improve yourself. When you pray in tongues, you improve yourself. One definition was given to this. To edify, it means to advance spiritually. Actually, let's read that. It, it says that in the Passion. The one who speaks in tongue advances his own spiritual progress when you pray in the Spirit. And lastly, when you pray in the Spirit, still in this word edified, this is all coming out of this word edified, or to build up, means to charge yourself. Now, we could all use some of that spiritually. Now, you would never leave the house (laughs) with an uncharged cell phone. I have seen more people panic with, when their battery was dying and there was no charger in sight. What about your spirit, though? If we, if we took that same attention to charging our spirit as we did our phone, we would all be spiritual giants in here. Oh, my gosh. But how do you charge yourself spiritually? By praying in the spirit. You charge yourself up. How do I get this way on Sunday mornings? I've done charge myself up. 
Now, I don't act like this all the rest of the week. Maybe if I prayed in tongues more, I would act this way. But right now, when I'm preaching, yes, it's the Holy Spirit, but I've been praying in tongues before I preach this message. I'm charged up and ready to go. But you don't have to wait to Sunday to do this. You could do this Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. And how much better would your life be if you came into it spiritually charged instead of spiritually weak and on 10% battery life? You're over there trying to turn your... Your screen brightness down. I gotta, I gotta conserve my spiritual energy right now. Put it on airplane mode. You gotta do whatever it takes to keep my spirit alive during the week. But you don't have to live that way. When we pray in tongues, now this all came from the word edify. You charge yourself spiritually. You charge yourself spiritually. And I'm closing, I'm landing the plane. But listen to this, and I said this last week, how much better would our services be at Church on the Rock if we were all charged when we came in here? I'm not saying putting on a show and faking it. I'm saying we've genuinely spent time with the Holy Spirit and we're so charged up spiritually. The worship is different. The preaching is different. The altar ministry is different because I'm not the only one charged here. All of you are charged here. You know what's going to happen when a church is like that? There's going to be revival. There's going to be salvations. There's going to be healings. There's going to be deliverance. There's going to be so many people coming to church on the rock that they got to wait out in the parking lot to get into a service. But that only happens when we're all coming charged. Hear me today. It won't happen just because I'm charged. Because I'm charged. Maybe too charged for you. It happens when we're all spiritually charged. And you don't got to earn anything to do that. You don't got to work anything to do that. All you got to do is pray in the Spirit as He gives you the words to say. And the more you do it, the more you're spiritually charged. Life looks different when your phone's fully charged. So does your spirit. Things don't affect you the same way when you're spiritually charged. You're not running into every situation on empty because you haven't plugged in the power all week. You're waiting on me on Sunday to resurrect the dead with my preaching. I can do it a few weeks, but guess what? Put your spirit in the charger throughout the week so when you get here, you're contributing, not just consuming. Now hear me today, if you're new or you've been coming to this church, I'm not talking to you. Consume all you want. But if you've been here for a long time, you need to start charging yourself. I'm not putting any pressure on you if you're new here. You keep learning. You keep coming. You do you. But if you've been here 10, 15, 20, 30 years, stop taking up space. Put yourself on the charger every once in a while. We got things to do. For the kingdom of God. Pastor, I just wanted to celebrate Mother's Day. I didn't want to be talked to like this today. Well, my mom in heaven would approve of everything I've said. She would probably say more than what I've said today. Brother Darrell, could you come play? I got one last verse. And we're going to close and we're going to pray for some people today. Let's look at Ephesians 5.18. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. Notice, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. This is so, 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 so good. Do you remember on... The day of Pentecost, it said when they came out of the upper room and they were praying in tongues, the way that they were acting, everybody said they're drunk. Because they were acting a certain way. They were acting like they were on something. Because they were. And the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine but be filled with the Spirit. Why? 
Because wine is a cheap substitute of the real stuff. Maybe it's not wine for you, but you're filling yourself with something. And if it's not the Holy Spirit, it's a cheap substitute of the real thing. Because all of us were meant to be filled with something. And if we don't fill up with the Spirit, which is the real thing, which is the best thing, which is the most holy thing we can fill ourselves with, we will look for something else to fill ourselves with. Even if we know it's bad for us, even though we know it's hurting us, even though it's causing damage to our life, even though there's side effects, we will do it because we were meant to be filled. But the Bible says don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. So these early believers, they were praying in tongues that came out of the upper room, and everybody said they're drunk with wine. Because they were acting a certain way. And Peter said, they aren't drunk with wine. This is that. That was spoken by the prophet Joel that his spirit would be poured out. They're not drunk with wine. They're drunk with the real thing. Are you receiving this today? But let's take a step back. But how do drunk people act? This is what drunk people act like. They act like they have no cares. They act joyful. They're dancing around. They're having a good time. They don't got a care in the world. Why? Because they drink something. But he says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Because if you can act like that on that substance, how much more the Holy Ghost? When you're filled with Him, you act the same way. You don't have any cares anymore. You got joy again. You're dancing. You're happy. You're different now. Because you've been filled with the right stuff. If you can act that way on the wrong stuff, how much more the real thing? And he says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I want the real thing. You know, and I don't even get down on people that do certain substances and other stuff like that. They're just trying to fill themselves with something they just haven't found the real thing yet there's no shame but they need to be filled with the Holy Spirit but I love the Bible says in the original it says not just be filled with the Spirit it says be being filled with the Spirit Meaning it's an ongoing process. It's an ongoing process that, yeah, you got spirit filled once at an altar, but guess what happens? Life knocks stuff out of you. Circumstances, physical issues, family drama, and this is how you get spiritually. That's why the Bible says be being filled. Because he knows life can knock some stuff out of you. That's why every day you need to go back to the filler and be being filled. And then the next day, be being filled. And then the next day, be being filled. This is not a one-time-at-the-altar thing. This is an everyday thing. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you and fill you and fill you to overflow every day. So you're not running on empty. Because if you do, you'll look for something else to fill it. 
Did you guys get anything today? Let's stand up today. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.